glad you're here. I want you to open your copy of Scripture to 1 Peter chapter 3. We'll be reading the first seven verses. First seven verses. Remember, your marriage is a covenant. We live in a time when people are looking at uh, marriage like a legal contract. And as we all know, legal contracts can be broken very easily. We have succumbed to society and people now believe that they don't need that piece of paper referring to their marriage license. Well, I have news for you. The only reason you have a license is to pay a tax that they don't call a tax. That little piece of paper, you're exactly right. You don't need unless you want to break the laws of whatever state you live in. But a marriage is a covenant between a man and a woman and God. It's a three-party covenant. We have taken marriage and we have made jokes out of it. Uh, we joke about our wife. We joke about our husband. Many times those jokes is just, in reality, a hidden animosity. It's something you can say in public. And after a bit of time... Those things explode within a marriage. That's what Peter is talking about. Remember, we're talking about people who are living in a pagan society as exiles. We live in a pagan society and we are actually exiles ourselves because though we are citizens of the United States... We are citizens of heaven. That is a more permanent, uh, more permanent citizenship. And so he has been giving instructions on how we are to relate in this society and we are to relate in such a way that we are a witness because whether people will be honest with you or not, people struggle. They wonder how certain people can go through what they go through. Why certain people in the darkest times seem to have a a hope that's not there. And many times your actions and how you relate will really put fire when you begin to verbalize the faith in God that you have and the trust that what we go through, we go through. It's not a dead end. Peter's talked about civil society. We are to submit to... uh, Authority that is over us, both governmental, uh, right down to the, the local level. He's talking about how you relate as a employee towards your employer and your employer to the employee. Today, we're going to look at how we are to relate in a pagan society by the family. Uh, week after next, we'll look at how we relate in a pagan society to the church. But today, it's the home. So by now, you should have your copy of Scripture. Let's look at 1 Peter 3, 1 through 7. Wives, in the same way. We're going to see that again. Be submissive to your husbands so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives. And when they see the purity and the reverence of your lives. Your beauty should not come from an outward adornment 
such as braided hair and the wearing of gold jewelry and fine clothes. Instead, it should be of that inner, your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit of which is of great worth in God's sight. For this is the way the holy women of the past who put their hope in God used to make themselves beautiful. They were submissive to their own husbands. Like Sarah, who obeyed Abraham and called him her master. You are daughters if you do what is right and do not give way to fear. Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives. And treat them with respect as a weaker partner and as heirs with you in the gracious gift of life, so that nothing will hinder your prayers. This is important. So the way he ends this in talking about the husband and wife, so that nothing will hinder your prayers. Father, we thank you for your word. I pray you open hearts and minds as we look at your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I realize this is one of the more inflammatory passages of Scripture that uh, the world looks at. Sometimes we as Christians look at it. I've heard Christians say, well, you know, I'm not going to do this or I'm not going to do that. And when it's in God's Word, you need to know what God said about His Word. Number one, God's Word is absolute truth at its purity. Remember a guy named Pilate asked, what is truth? Jesus is truth. He said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. And so the Word of God is true. It's in its entirety. It was there. It is there to guide our life. Jesus said, I've come to give you life, and I have come to give it to the full, the max, abundantly. And God's Word will lead you into that abundant life. Now, here's the thing. Too many times we interpret Scripture through the eyes of the culture. And we all know that there's been all kind of culture wars over the years. And one of those wars directly affected the marriage covenant. Uh, That word submit. Uh, In fact, I had people say, you're brave to walk out there and, and read that scripture. Well, I got another one that says the same thing, so I'll read it too. But you see, the word of God is truth. And there is a submission there. And just because the world, uh, its category says, we will not submit to anybody at any time. Listen, you are walking contrary to the Word of God. I don't know if you've ever heard of the law of the 60. I didn't either until I looked it up. I was wondering some things. The law of the 60 says this. If you are in an airplane and you're going to make a 120-mile trip, and your, your instruments are only one per degree off. When you check in 60 miles, you will be two miles from where you think you're headed. And I think you, you can see the world today. 
We are more than one degree off in our settings of truth as it not only is there to read, but it's there to live out in our life. We, we forget, and I'm going to repeat, God said, I want to give you the best of this world. He didn't say, I'm going to make every circumstance good. I'm, you'll never go through problems. You'll never have money problems. You'll never have this or the other. But if you follow me, if you just hide your word in your heart, God will guide us so that nothing in this world can make us be afraid. And I'm afraid we're suffering a large dose of fear. And one of the things that has got us so far off course is the way that we look at the family. Uh, we, we don't realize that a relationship between a man and a woman many times determines the relationship your children will have in their mates. You know, the, the saying, an apple don't fall far from the tree. And, and that's true in every aspect of life. Those daughters are looking to daddy, and when they think about a man in their life, they want someone just like their dad. Young men, they look at their mother, this this pearl of purity and sweetness, and, and they go looking for, whether they'll admit it or not, somebody that's just like mom. And the way that that happens is simply obeying truth of the Scriptures. Uh, here is the, the context of this passage. In this time in which it was written, a woman was the property of her father. He, had, he held life and death in his hands over her. That ownership was transferred to her husband. And the husband had low expectations for his wife. I got married for somebody to feed me, somebody to clean my house, and somebody to take care of my children. Other than that, they did not regard their wives. In fact, at one time, you could go to the city gate and say three times, I divorce you, I divorce you, I divorce you, and your divorce came in. You didn't need Morgan and Morgan or any other law firm. You were just divorced. And so you can see from that the view of this holy covenant of marriage. Now, it seems that more than likely, this woman, is, her husband is an unbeliever. And somewhere along the line, she became a believer herself, which in this culture was a tremendous step for a woman to take. It was a bold step for a woman to come to believe in Christ leave whatever religion she had, and bring Christ into the marriage. Often it embarrassed the husband. And so a problem arose. What do you do when your husband is lost and you are a believer? How in the world do you reach him? How? What do you do? And again, you simply come back to truth. The witness is to your husband. And, and I, I find that there's that passage that talks about it's not by the braiding of hair and jewelry. You know, some religions believe that I think the uglier you look, the more spiritual you are. I mean, I, sorry, I, it just seems that way. What they're really talking about is the women 
of the streets. The women that did not wear veils, they wanted their beauty beheld. They would take strands of gold and breed it, uh, just whatever you do, braid it into your hair. Flashy jewelry. When they walked, they had little bells on their toes. I mean, and, and they thought this would be flattering and this would draw men to me. Well, God is saying in his word, that's not the way to win over your husband. So what is he talking about? He has said to this, we are, to the ladies are to submit to their husbands. Uh, does that mean, as the world has interpreted, that a woman is submissive to all men? And the answer to that is no. The word says her own husband. That is who a woman is accountable to. That's who a woman is submissive to, her husband. Again, a misinterpretation says all women are submissive to all men, which is garbage. This is the marriage account. Uh, we need this. Paul has, or uh, Peter has said that by this action towards your husband, you win them with an inner beauty. Listen, there is an inner beauty that people carry whenever they have no Christ personally as their Savior and Lord. There's something that's glowing in them that not only motivates their life, that just Premiates out their life. I can give you a personal testimony. My wife married an unbeliever, and for nine years I was an unbeliever. And for nine years my wife made it hard for me to be an unbeliever. Why? Because she would, we'd get up on Sunday, she'd say, Are you going to church? I'd say no, and she wouldn't argue. She wouldn't tell the kids, Daddy's not going to church. And I was waiting for an argument because I got up every Sunday loaded. I was ready. Let's just fight this out. You're nagging me. You're making me. She never would do that. She'd say, honey, dinner's almost cooked. It's on the stove. We'll be back about 1230. And she'd go out of the house. That got me. From making me mad to convicting me. She began to open a door for the witness of Christ to come into my life. And you see, she was submitting to me. You need to understand in this submission, ladies, I want to tell you something. Your husband, if he wants you to do something that's against the moral law of God, you are not obligated to submit to ungodliness. You you need to get that clear. You're not to do that. You are to stand your ground in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. What else do we need to know? Uh... There is no distinction between men and women as far as personal worth, value, character, intellect, spirituality. Galatians says this. There's no distinction between men and women as far as personal worth, value, intellect, and spirituality. That's not the difference. And if you think about a minute, the culture is starting this war that's to creep in and go ahead and finish off the family by saying women are just uh, have no value. They don't. There is no difference. The book of Galatians. Let's look at that passage. You are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who are baptized into Christ 
have clothed yourself with Christ. Your identity is in Christ. For all of you are clothed with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave or free, male or female, for you are all one in Christ. You say, does that make sense? Do you mean that we lose our identity as a person? No. This is God viewing you. And we are all of the same value. We're all created in our mother's womb. We are created in the image of God. So there is no distinction. If you belong to Christ, then you're Abraham's seed, which is the seed of faith and heirs according to the promise. That's how God views. And you see, as I said before, the word of God is absolute truth. And we have a choice every day. When you're living out your life, you have a choice. Are you going to live out and believe what the Word of God says? Or are you going to listen to culture? You see, Satan learned a long time ago in the early church that if he began to attack the church, they got bolder, they got stronger, and they got bigger. So the way Satan works today is he tears our society up. He comes up with these different off-the-wall views. If you'll read through the things that Satan does, you'll know that he counterfeits. Just as we have Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. At the end of days, there will be an unholy trinity that will be created by Satan to try to fool those who are elect. We need to understand that what Satan starts in the culture too many times creeps into the church and the only way it can come in is if you bring it in. If you come in with that mindset, if you live with that mindset, you are contributing to the walls falling when it comes to God's perfect path for the life that is in Christ that is abundant and full and full of blessings. That's how it gets into us. The Apostle Paul, he affirms this in Ephesians 5. Wives, submit to your husbands as you submit to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church. His body, of which he is the Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husband in everything. Everything godly. Remember what I said? Husbands, love your wife just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. To make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word. And to present herself to him as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish. But holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated his own body, but he feeds and cares for it just as Christ feeds the church. In verse 33 it says, However, let each at one love your wife as that you love yourself, And the wife is to respect her husband. We need to understand that there is a divine order that is in the Bible. God is not the author of conflict. God's 
God's world is perfectly ordered. And there is an order of creation. God, Jesus, the Spirit of God, man, woman. That is the design of creation in which the Word of God is set on. Let's look at the, uh, 1 Corinthians 13. We're going to see how women function uniquely in this world. Number one, there's, in the, chapter 11, verse 3, this is in the pattern of the Godhead. Now, I want you to realize that the head of every man is Christ. And the head of the woman is man. And the head of Christ is God. That is the pattern of the Godhead. In verse 7, we just see the design of male and female. A man ought not to cover his head since he is the image and glory of God, but the woman is the glory of man. What is this talking about? Back then, women wore veils. And they did this veil primarily to shield themselves from everyone else but her husband. And so when a woman was in church, she veiled herself to show she had a covering through her husband and from God. That passage also says a little further. I didn't put it in there. It said long hair is a shame to man. Now, I don't have to worry about that. I'm ashamed to man or of God's other ways, but not with that. that. And that, does, that's, that is not an implication. It's talking about the glory of a woman is her hair and her beauty. Used to, when I had hair, I could finish everything I needed in five minutes. When I was going out the door to warm the car up, she's still in there combing out hair. There was two out of place. Making herself radiant and beautiful. I like that. The order of creation, the eighth verse of 1 Corinthians 11. For man did not come from woman, woman came from man. And the purpose of women in regard to men, 11.9. Neither was a man created for the woman, but the woman was created for man. This is simply the story of creation. God created Adam. He formed him out of the dust of the soul. And from his rib, he formed a woman, a helpmate, and brought her to Adam. Brought her to Adam. That's how they were created. Uh... Verse 11 and 12. In the Lord, however, women is not independent of man, nor is man independent of woman. For as woman came from the man, so also man is born of woman, but everything comes from God. Are you getting the picture? Are you with me? Okay, you're not with me. I'm sorry. That's us, saith the Lord, and uh, I'll be praying for you. Uh, nothing in the Bible puts down. That's another counterculture that this world has. Mean, demeaning ways to get our attention off of the perfect way that God has gotten for us. Well, by now you're wondering, well, what about the husband? Glad you asked. Verse 7, First Peter. Husbands in the same way. Here's what this is talking about. Peter had talked about submitting to civil authority. 
He talked about employees submitting to their master or their employer. He said to the lady, in the same way you submit to civil and employment, this is what you do. And now to the husband, he's saying, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives. And treat them with the respect as a weaker partner. Let me point this out. There's a lot of ladies get all upset about that. I had a woman storm in my office one time after this message was preached and informed me that she could whip her husband. <laughs> Tell the truth. I got further behind my desk because I thought she could whip me too. <laughs> Why do you allow things from the Word of God to put yourself into an inferior light? That's how God created, okay? This isn't talking about how much you can power lift, okay? They were created as the weaker value. And as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life. Gracious gift of life. You know what that is? That is the intimacy between a man and a woman in the marriage covenant. That's one of the, the great gifts. The Bible used the word, Adam went into Eve and knew her. This is the intimacy that God created for two people in covenant with him. It is not to be uh, hooking up. It's not living with someone. You're, the reason people bounce from sex partner to sex partner is because they get tired of the same old grind. And they're looking for something new and fresh. And when a marriage is operating under the laws and the commands of Scripture, there's newness, there is exciting. My wife is 73 years old. She'll get mad at me, but she is. And she is beautiful as the day I've ever met her. People tell me all the time, I married a child bride. And I grin. Amen. Amen. There's a knowing. After 55 years, we know each other. She can finish my sentences. She says something, why don't we do this? And I'm thinking, why don't we do that same thing? There is an intimacy that is lost when God's structure is off. You remember the 60 law? One degree off and you're two miles. Nobody sets out in a marriage to say, I want an unhappy, bad marriage. But yet, when the manual was written... Do in this way. Raise your children in this manner. Be this to the community. Have this influence in the world. God's abundance shines through. You bring that scripture up and we'll read it. Why? So that nothing, nothing will hinder your prayers. You see, we've been to promise God would answer our prayers. But you know, there are times... When it seems like, you know, the saying, my prayers didn't get out of the, above the floor. They didn't get out to the front yard. The reason is God is still a loving, caring God. But he's saying to you, there are things in your life you need to look at. And so he will just back off and hinder your prayers until you get serious enough about your life to begin to seek from God what's going on. And too many times, God brings it right back to the relationship of the husband and wife. You see, 
Just in the same way, a husband submits to serve his wife. Yeah, guys, we are to serve our wife lovingly. You see, we, we are the guy with a knight that are going to meet the, the needs of our wife. She needs consideration. She needs chivalry. You know, open that stinking car door for your wife. Treat her like you, she, you did when you were trying to win her over. She wants that. Oh, I know. I've opened the door for ladies that told me, you don't open the no door for me. And I always tell them, well, my daddy, if he was here, he'd quit me if I didn't. So you just let me open that door. But I don't know a wife around that could use a little chivalry from their husband. How about being courteous? Be as courteous to her as you are to your friends. Sometimes we relate better outside the home than we do inside because we get this idea we own each other or we're stuck with each other. And you forget the marriage is covenant, honored, and blessed. It's the first institution beyond man and woman that God created, put his blessing on it, and gave a divine manual that says you'll live in abundance if you just follow what I say. How about some valor? Take up for. Take up. It disgusts me to hear people put down their wives with a joke or somebody else join in. You know, your wife wants someone to defend her. Not because she can't take care of it, but you see, there's something in the marriage, there's something in the creation of a man and a woman. You already know men and women think different, right? Us guys have got. Boxes and drawers. And the reason that we're not on the channel with you, because we have handled that, put it in a box and shoved it, and we've moved on. You get a, a group of men in a, in a group that, at a party, say. They're talking about golf, fishing, NASCAR. They're talking about their jobs. They're talking about all that stuff. You get the ladies in a group together, and they're talking about their children. Talking about their family. We're different. And we as husbands are to learn how to relate rightly and godly towards that mate. Because I want to tell you something. The bride you have after 50 years is the bride you've created. And wives, that husband that you want to talk about is the husband you've created with your actions towards each other. When a woman is submitting to her husband as that head of the house, as that, that leader, it takes loads and loads of problems off of her so she can talk about and be involved in the one thing that women excel in. That's building a home. A man will buy a house, but it's a woman who will make it a home. And for a man to willingly submit and serve his wife that is a rela- I got a question for you. You people that don't like that word submit, who in the world would not live with a godly woman whose beauty is not only outward but an inward beauty that shines, who loves you, who follows you, who trusts you? What husband is fool enough not to want to live in that setting? And by the same token, what woman 
will turn down a man when he graciously serves her. And that in his mind, are you comfortable and what do you need? But guys, I'm going to give you a little piece of advice free. When your wife comes to her, you with a problem, don't solve it for goodness sake. I'm serious. You listen. Because she's already figured out what she's going to do. But she just needs somebody to talk to. You see, that's acting towards someone graciously. And when we begin to think of what I can do for my wife, and the husband is thinking about what can I do for my wife, and the wife's thinking, what can I do for my husband? How can I create an environment in a pagan world with pagan nurse, uh, uh, pagan neighbors that shows the love of Jesus Christ that permeates here, and it's the thing that drives us when you see us drive out and go to worship. Look at Ephesians 5. Husbands, love your wife just as Christ loved the church and gave him up, gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with the water through the word. Men, you are the spiritual leader of your home. If there's going to be a couple's Bible study, you start it. If there's going to be times that you pray together, you start it. And you see, you are responsible. And that washes down through the children. Uh, greatest compliment I heard one of my kids make one time was that when they got up early, dad was in his study reading the Bible and praying. That, that warmed my heart. Because I wanted them to know they didn't go out during the day without my prayers. Washing with the water through the word. Present her to himself as a radiant church without stain, wrinkle, or any other blemish. Let me pull a string on this right now. We as believers are accountable to God for our obedience to scripture. When we view scripture, we don't view it through the culture of the world. We view it through the eyes of obedience. What have I got to do to conform to the word of God so that all of my destinations and my planning come to pass? Secondly, we are accountable to each other. We're accountable to each other. We're accountable for encouraging people. We're, uh, in cow, uh, uh, we are accountable in order that when people see our marriage and our lives, they may be struggling somewhere, but they know it's not impossible. The view of the world today is that marriage is antiquated, it's impossible, and you just can't do it. God said you can, and here's the plan Importantly, we're accountable to unbelievers. Now, you know, I've had heard sports figures say, I'm not a role model. You know, I'm yada, yada, yada. I can be a bum. I can do all the things they do. You know what? You're a role model. You're a role model to a lot more people than you realize. 
There are people that are looking at your life. There are people that's looking at your marriage. Why? Because they're hungry for the way, the truth. No one likes to live in a pig pen. And that's exactly what this world is. Remember, the prodigal son came to himself and said, I'm going to arise and go to my father. Where he knew forgiveness would be there and it would be settled. We are accountable. Why are we accountable? Glad you asked. Matthew 5. You're the light of the world. Israel was chosen by God to be a light to the nations. You're the light of the world. You're a city set on a hill that cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand. And it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds, praising your Father in heaven. We're the light of the world. Why do we hide it? Why are we ashamed? Jesus said, I have created unto me a peculiar people. The world may look at us with weird, but I don't know of any disaster that's ever hit anywhere where the world didn't call a prayer meeting and cry out to God. Folks, we're the light. Light shoves out darkness because darkness cannot exist in light. Wives, submit to your husbands as unto the Lord. Husbands, submit to your wife in serving her. Create a family of children that grow up strong in the word, doing what mama and daddy did rather than what mama and daddy said. Friends online, if you're here and this God is speaking to you, there's a button that says, I have decided. Click on that button. There'll be people who will talk with you, uh, meet your needs, your questions. I'm going to be over here if you'd like to talk to me. Uh, I, I am available. But I urge you today to let truth into your life. If people let more of the Word of God, truth, into their life and stop listening to the news, there'll be a whole lot less fear in this world. Lord, we submit to you. It's your Word. It's your truth. Call this morning. Lord, you said anyone in Christ is a new creation. God, let this be a time where we look and see if we've put on the old man instead of taking it off. If someone is here or online that does not have a personal relationship with you, I pray, oh God, that they would come to you even this time. In Jesus' name, amen.